uh, recently I, I heard this word again that uh, sparked my interest. It's uh, simulated hospitality. Uh, I, I think it was from a movie uh, up in the air. And uh, it, it struck me because it's an experience that most hospitality in the industry uh, does so that they will be able to, uh, at least for those who are paying more or paying at least on a regular basis or regular customer, they'll be able to welcome their customers, let's say with a uh, personalized named card or pagdating sa room, they'll be able to at least have some snacks that are the favorite of those people. And st simulated hospitality has this equivalent uh, when most people are actually behaving with this, uh, another word that I was able to, um, again, think about is a fake sincerity. It's like, I'm not saying naman na fake sincerity hospitality, you know? of course, I'm not saying that. I mean, if in an industry there's a need for that professionally, I think they should do so. It's just that some of us and most of us, even Christians, tend to adopt the kind of man mindset that the, the world is able to give us. And I think that's the criticism that should be placed on that. And I think it, it seeps through the mindset of all the people are working. And personally, I've been working for most of my life. I, I'm not a, a pastor by profession at the first uh, early years of my life, and I'm an engineer. Um, my father is a pastor, and I, I answered late in the calling. But I think it seeps through the mindset of the people thinking that we can fake sincerity. Actually, there's a, um, my wife kasi is in the film, uh, studied film uh, when he, she was in college, but although she's not anymore practicing or in the industry anymore. But anyway, she's, uh, she's in the film, not industry, film student in college. And uh, there's this saying that if you're an actor, once you can fake sincerity, and that's it, you rule the world. Once you're able to fake sincerity, that's it for you. Ibig sabihin, you can do anything you want. And if every time you're wa watching a very good actor, let's say in the caliber of Anthony Hopkins, I think you'll be able to see how he can adapt each individual, uh, let's say, character he'll be able to do from, let's say, being a monster in uh, one of the films. I forgot. Anyway, hindi ko matapof it. And then uh, the other film that actually is very good is uh, parang yung nakakalimutan niya na yung sarili niya is a father. It's the most recent one. And you can see the difference. Now, whenever he adapts a character, you can already see how sincere he can be, and that's fake sincerity. And I think churches nowadays, and I think part of the reason why churches think that way is because they thought, or some of the people who claims to be Christian thinks like the world and thinking, maybe we can simulate sincerity. Maybe we can simulate hospitality. Actually, one of the reasons why it is attractive to most pastors who have been preaching Lord's Day in, Lord's Day out, to preach on a regular church for every year, for every Lord's Day, like me, getting out kasi is a breath of fresh air. Sabi ko, <laughs> sabi ko, Pastor Abit, sabi ni Pastor Abit, I'll be the one, ano, uh, leading the, I'll be the presider. Sabi ko, thank you. You'll be, the, I'm, I'm so happy. I'll just be preaching this Lord's Day. So, I think it's also relieved that I'll be the one preaching. Diba? Kasi it's presiding, preaching. Medyo mabigat yun eh. Um, but you do that every Lord's Day, and Lord's Day in, Lord's Day out. And you tend to forget that sometimes, because people, every time you meet new people, it's really hard to be sincere. I, I don't know. I, I, it's your, I'm meeting you for the first time. I don't know anything about you. I mean, 
I can see your eyes, I can see your faces, but every time na kasi I'm standing on a pulpit, I can always imagine my congregation. Kasi I've been with them. I know them and I know how they react. I don't know how, why they react. And that is the reason why fake sincerity is actually a way for us to cope up every time there is new things happening in our lives. Which is why I think one of the reasons why Jesus, when he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and I was able to complete that series, that's why uh, I'll, be meeting in, I'll be preaching in the middle of it. Huh? So I already preached this, so you have to bear with me. Of course, I have to adapt it with the congregation that I'm talking to right now, but I think the principles will always remain the same. I think one of the reasons why Jesus was actually doing the preaching uh, with regard to fake sincerity against hypocrisy is because he knows that this is this are one oh, one of this are this is one of the ways wherein you can be trapped or you can be going into this not knowing that you're already lost and it's good it's good i think matthew 5 when christ already delivered the kingdom message wherein the people who hears them are received in them and then they are called blessed. And then afterwards, Jesus explained the role of the law in the lives of the people, of the kingdom people, on how they'll be able to continue living in this life. And then part of the kingdom to come. And yet, at the end of it, which is at, at some point in Matthew, and I think we're already at chapter 6, all the way to 7, he has been expounding all the implication of what this means. And it's good that we'll be, again, examining this implication of living a Christian life here on earth and yet being trapped by hypocrisy. So, that's enough for introduction. <laughs> I think uh, I'll be reading. It's a regular reading. Sorry. So, I'll be reading my preaching. So, now, we have to understand when that when Jesus already exposed the law, okay, he begins now supplying it to the disciples that he's talking to. And now, he focuses on the danger of living inconsistent lives. And that's Fake sincerity, that's what I meant. Jesus wanted to expose the sin of hypocrisy. And it will be, and I think with the, the mastery and the wisdom that Jesus possessed, he knows by the Spirit, it will continue to be plaguing Christian churches in every generation. That Christians often fall into the sin of maintaining religious outward respectability. Actually, I, of course, I... I, I saw your Facebook, I saw, ganun naman eh, standard, I saw your Facebook, I saw your website, I saw Pastor Abbott, I, I was thinking, why should I wear ba? Should I wear ba very, ano lang, uh, toned down lang ba? Or should I at least dress up? I opted dress, dressed up, because I don't know if you would be uh, bothered if I'm wearing something na medyo, uh, alam nyo yun, uh, medyo toned down. But I dressed up, because it's hard, it's hard. And religious respectability is the issue. All of us wants to maintain that. All of us wanted to make sure that we are not being seen as something less serious or less cool or less anything. Because sometimes we go through the motion of all our religious duties and yet our hearts in reality still far away from God. Because one of the things that is refreshing with, the, with starting new church, people doesn't really know each other yet. And there's a lot of interactions that get to make, makes them know better each other. And that's good. But again, the sin of hypocrisy remains and we should be aware about it. Jesus recognizes the presence of indwelling sin. 
And indwelling sin is not something that we should, you know, neglect or something that we should, you know, be bothered about at some bit, but not anymore. No, it, it will remain until we die. That's why we need to continually fight against it. He wants, Jesus wants us to know its ongoing effect in Christians. And He wants us to realize our own capacity for self-deceit in order to cover our own sin instead of dealing with it or even killing it. Jesus teaches us, his disciples, that including us Christians today, that the root cause of hypocrisy and how he can remedy it, that we are always desiring to cover up our sins instead of exposing it, and this will lead us to a path of perdition, that instead of doing our good deeds before God, and good works are good, let's not mistake it as something that, you know, because I'm now a Calvinist, I'm now a Christian who knows uh, what justification means, that good works is again thrown into the trash can. No, we know our good works. We have to simply put it in its proper place, which is why dispensing our religious duties in front of men is what's being attacked here by Christ. Jesus is trying to expose the hypocrisy and calling his disciples to live not before men, but to live before God. That we continually depend on him, on all our strength, and on all our vitality. So this morning, uh, we'll be preaching, and I already read the, the, uh, the verses from Matthew 8, uh, verses 1 to 8, and then going to 16 to uh, going to 16 to 18, and then um, I, I've broken out, broken down it into two discussions. One, let's discuss the danger of hypocrisy, and the other one is the gospel remedy to hypocrisy. So before we begin, let's uh, ask the Holy Spirit for guidance, and let us all bow our heads, and let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this congregation. Thank you for the Lord's Day. Thank you for allowing us to see through the preaching of your word. We know, O God, that your word has the power to convert. And we know, O God, that the Holy Spirit is the one enabling it. So we trust, O God, that by the foolishness of the preaching, by the ordinary preaching of your word, your men, your people, your women, all your, all your elect will be converted by it. We pray this in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior. Amen. I usually read the text, but... I read it, read it, so let's continue. So Christians are called to demonstrate their faith before God. Kumbaga, ang lagi nating iisipin that hypocrisy happens when we do the good deed just to simply please men. And I already made the case kanina that's already innate in the world, already given by the world. Kumbaga, it's something that it's already innate in the world. But oftentimes, Christians fall into this trap of fake sincerity. Yes, we are called to show our love for others. Yes, even to our enemies. Yes, but the purpose is never to please any man. It is always, always to please our Father. To do what is pleasing to God is essentially what sanctification is all about. Now, Jesus here teaches us the illustration of trees. Trees kasi makes sense kasi sa mga Jewish uh, Hebraic uh, expressions or mindset or even poetry. So, he made three examples of the illustrations of the implications of the gospel. 
every every time that Jesus preaches, he always preaches it on a specific time, in a specific place, with a specific audience, therefore with different implications. When I preach this, obviously with my congregation, we are in the pandemic uh, situation. This is why later on the illustration will be on the pandemic. But here in your situation, again, I don't know you personally. I think you can benefit from learning the principles and then uh, eventually talking about it among yourself as Christians in this church. But there are three things that Jesus called out the hypocrisy, wherein hypocrisy can happen. Now, it doesn't mean it only happens in the three areas. It just means that in these three areas, Jesus wants to illustrate to all of us what it means and how we can spot hypocrisy. So, the first one is almsgiving, the second one is in praying, and the third one is in fasting. And that's the outline, basically. So, later on, we'll be able to learn also how we'll be able to do, see the gospel remedy in all three areas. But let me first, and I will not anymore expose the text, I'm hoping that it's plain to everyone. I think there's not much of a mystery in what Jesus teaches there. I, I don't need a lengthy exposition, exposition to explain them. I think you heard how it's, uh, when I read it kanina, and you can visit your scripture in order for you to read it. But this, these three things, uh, Jesus wants us to see the hypocrisy and how. So almsgiving. Jesus was pointing out that when we give alms, there's no need for trumpeters. That if we really intend to give to the poor, then the money we pay for announcers must also be given to the needy, not to the performers, right? Parang, at, 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 it's the height of hypocrisy. Parang mag-hire ka ng trumpeters para lang mabigay mo doon sa pera yung sa needy. E ba't di mo nalang ibigay yung pera ng mga trumpeters doon sa needy? At least marami pang naibigay. Yun yung point. So, if, if our motivation is to really just uh, give and it comes from the desire to help, wala na bang ibang reason why we should give? It's really coming out from a sincere desire that we want to really help. Thinking that whatever God enabled us to have, regardless of any riches, regardless of any money or resources, that we can be able to share it with them. Essentially, that's what Jesus is trying to point out. That Jesus wants us that if we are going to give, that's kasi yung baka giving in secret, and meron din kasing mga loopholes dun eh, yung pero gigive mo kay secret pero ia, pero alam mo na yung binagbigay mo ng secret ia-announce din sa buong mundo so wala rin nagbigay ka pa so alam mo rin naman na kapag binigay mo kay XYNC eh, alam na ng lahat ah hindi si ano yung nagdonate ng ganto 30,000 lucky very good so di ba that's fake sincerity you want to give in order to be pleasing others and that is not what Jesus uh, sees as a sincere way of giving we should ought to give in secret. And yung giving in secret, again, that's an illustration. It's not a, a, it's simply a principle, meaning give without any regard on how people will see or appreciate them. Just simply give. Now, praying. Now, when we intend to pray in public, and I'm not sure how the dynamics of the group, but we typically ask our preachers, of course, our interns, our elders, our deacons to pray publicly. And among members, of course, they can pray among themselves. It's okay. So that's basically preaching in public. Now, in order for us to, to see the hypocrisy in praying in public, is it simply has to be tied with any private prayer that you're having. I think part of the reason why membership often are timid and praying publicly because they are not confident that their private prayer will be enough for public. I truly understand that. You're not trained for it. Of course, you're not praying on a regular basis. Who would even think that you'll be able to 
uh, pray in, in a por very formal, powerful way. There's not the expectation. But for public, prayer, uh, public people like your office bearers, they tend to pray always in public but always neglecting the private prayer. And that is the hypocrisy that Jesus is pointing to. That whenever we pray in public, it must be coupled with our sincere praying in private. The public dispensing of religious duties must be matched with our private action. And your family is the first one who will know. If your wife cannot look at your face right now, oh, she did not, patay. And my three kids would be angry at me for dragging them out of bed at 7 a.m. to be here, right? I have to eat dinner na? Yes, I have to eat breakfast na? Yes! Why? We're going to a new church. New church? Again? So, right, you will see if my private actions are not matching my public uh, public uh, uh, ministry. And that's the hypocrisy there. Jesus instructs his disciples to pray in secret. And again, that's idiomatic. Ha? Hindi yung parang kailangan lagi naka-close room or kailangan hindi mo pinapakita literally. I mean, it, it defeats the purpose of the idiomatic expression. That's why it's idiomatic, right? So it means that we must be able to match our public ministry with our private ministry actions in our own lives. That Jesus instructs his disciples to pray in secret. That we must understand that it does not mean that we do them only that we are alone. Hindi naman. Hindi yun yung point. It must be personal, but at the same time, public. Private means that we perform these duties consistently with the privacy of our own homes. Father, you are the one leading your household. And that is in, kumbaga, embedded to what Christian household is all about. It is what the covenant uh, teaches us. In short, we are the leaders of the prayer in the household. Which is why, at some point, this applies to us as well. Parents, uh, mothers also if the husband would uh, ask us to pray, then we can pray, right? So it is also applicable to us. The purpose of praying must come from the desire to express our dependence and all our needs, both in private as well in public. We cannot be hypocrites who are considered that holding public, uh, ho we are considered holy by being publicly uh, reputed to be so. Uh, I, I was able to encounter Brother Color there and he, was, he told me that he knows. Parang, yeah, I know you. Parang man, wow, celebrity, he knows me. Parang, because he knows the church. Ah, okay, so where, how did you know the church? He said that he saw it in Facebook. I think it's normal occurrence now na, okay, of course, I, I looked at you in Facebook, obviously. So, uh, because yun yung, ano eh, yun yung uh, part. But unless you met them, unless you know them, and you see them face to face, I think it's the only time we'll be truly able to assess whether or not there's fake sincerity there. So, it's it's not going to be only public, like our social media. It will also be private in our personal lives, in our gathering every Lord's Day. We are called to consistently portray the Christian life as the one who will always be dependent on God. And lastly, fasting. Uh, fasting in the Reformed Circle, there is a pro and con. There is uh, some, some who says that it ceases, some who says it not. I take the position that it still continues as long as you understand what they mean. Now, that's what I'll be exposing later. But it will be very fast. But fasting fast. Anyway, um, when we fast, okay, 
we must do it without grumbling and grandstanding. Fasting means, fasting means essentially to withhold food, okay? Uh, withhold food for the purpose of preparing oneself for prayer. I think one of the things that are very popular today is that you fast and pray, right? So essentially, that's what it means. There's really no different understanding of that modern or ancient. But Jesus warns us against the practice of fasting in order to receive the admiration of many people. That instead, he wanted his disciples to fast yet do them without people even noticing. Kung, kung nagpa-fast ka, hindi mo na kailangan ipagsabi pa. Kung nagda-diet ka, magkaiba po yun. Dieting is not fasting. I should diet, right? But again, uh, I know that it's not for the purpose of enabling me to pray fervently. Hindi rin yun, hindi yun related. Magkaiba yun. Okay? As, uh, people often tend to uh, understand them. So, fasting is a valid spiritual discipline. Individually as Christians, we can do it to strengthen our dependence on God because as we imagine uh, us not taking food, we know how dependent we can be also in spiritual, not only in the temporal needs of any Christian. Kasi uh, tied yun eh. Uh, actually, nare-relate natin yun. Yung dependence natin sa food and yung dependence natin in spiritual life. And that's essentially what the Lord's Prayer is all about. But I don't have the time for the Lord's Prayer, but that's what it means. So our, in our intention cannot be to get what we want from God because of our uh, of our passing and for our petitions instead what we do is we draw the strength from God not from any positive impressions that it gives to other people it's hard eh, actually kasi may bordering um, need for any speaker to have positive feedback i, I understand so i pause and then i see <laughs> that's that's public speaking 101 right so I have to have some feedback, positive or negative, and then you calibrate, diba? And it's, that's why it's hard. That's why it's hard for not to depend on the applause of people rather than depend on God. It's hard because it's in our indwelling sin. Nature natin yun. But Jesus is calling it out. Giving, praying, fasting are important practices for spiritual vitality. Jesus is never questioning the fact that this, uh, that this performed during, when this was performed during his time. Rather, what he wanted his disciples to understand is how dangerous it can be when it is done with selfish motives. Now, this religious practices when Jesus was when it was performed during Jesus' time, it became a way for others to gauge one's spirituality, and this is why the Jewish strict um, um, sect, uh, the Pharisees, were very particular about it. Now, Pharisees, of course, is a uh, is a religious sect called the separated ones. Kung baga, kung natin yung sanctified, sumobrang pagiging sanctified. But they have mastered fake sincerity. They have mastered religious uh, uh, respectability. And they were able to carry it out to the most extreme practices. Actually, yun yung tinatry na i-point out ni Christ. It's not saying that this giving, this praying, and this almsgiving, uh, fasting are all invalid practices. No, whatever you do with them, what Jesus wants us to see is the hypocrisy of the Pharisees for taking all of it to the extreme. Paul used to, uh, Paul used to belong to this radical group and even persecuted Christians before his conversion. Now, the Pharisees become synonymous to hypocrisy. Jesus made sure his disciples would not follow 
their examples. Jesus already kasi discussing that and the theology of the kingdom, but the, the way the, king, the kingdom will be lived out, the implications, chapter 6 all the way to 7 are implications of the kingdom. And that's why, again, he does not object that they give prayer, that they give, they pray, and they're fast. Rather, he is warning against them of doing them in order to maintain religious reputation. That's why they, Jesus called them hypocrites. Now, the hypocrites come from the theatrical world, as we all know. That is, it's a putting a mask in order to pretend to someone to be someone else. It becomes synonymous already for an actor pretending to be someone else to be part of playing a role in a play. Now, Jesus compares the Pharisees to these hypocrites. For Jesus, this Pharisees are not calling people to God. And that's the worst thing actually that you can do. They're not really helping the gospel and the, the kingdom. They're really detracting them away from it. Actually, they're creating religious monsters. I've uh, been in a Reformed church for, for seven years now. Tama ba? Tama na? Most likely. Okay. Seven years now, I came from an evangelical background. I know fake sincerity. I've, I grew up with it. I, I've mastered it once in a while. I know what needs to be done and how to behave. My children, kasi, as children kasi living in, in churches, yun yung una mo matututunan eh. How to behave properly eh. And yung ginagawa nila ngayon, probably yan. Yung ma-adapt nila yan. I'm, I'm not sure if they behaving properly. Are you? Anyway. So, behaving properly, right? So, Yung, yung sincerity na yon, yung fake sincerity na yun, na-adapt ko na yun, and na-adapt ko na yun when I was growing up. But in the reformed circle that I'm part of, and have been part of for seven years, I think the fake sincerity happens with intellectualism. And that's a good criticism. I've been receiving a lot. Every time I'm receiving anyone from any different churches who comes to the church saying, I've been traumatized in Facebook. because of X, Y, and C, saying all these things to me. I'm not against any correction. I'm not against anything about uh, standing up for the truth. It's just that most of the time, eh, most of these things are unnecessary. It's becoming more and more, and that's the challenge when Pastor Abbott, we're talking about how it has become recently younger pastors getting reformed, social media influencing other people, becoming more and more reformed, and that's good. But I think intellectualism will remain a danger in our churches even until the such time because hypocrisy will creep in there as if pretending anyone who has the head knowledge to know the difference between Turitin and Tertullian <laughs> would be the mark and the badge of being a reformed. So hopefully not, and I pray not. Uh, but that's the problem that we continually will always have. Now, on the contrary, we know that we tend to become selfish, self-righteous, self-sufficient, self-everything. I, I cannot deny that it's still there, even for myself, because sin remains, and we cannot hypocritically deny it. even in the pulpit. What we need is the gospel remedy for it. Okay, so indwelling sin still affects our judgment when it comes to performing good works. I'm not saying not do good works, but perform it in the way Jesus wants us by implication to do it. We tend to overestimate our power to control it, yet we always underestimate its presence in our midst. 
we become self-centered and we need to remember who we are in Christ and realize that it is God who abundantly supplies all spiritual vitality to His people. Now, positively, the role of the law, how it is being portrayed to us, the righteous, means that we are called to please God with it. That God calls us to desire properly all these things in our lives. That's the power of the preaching of the Word of God. That's the power of the ordinary ministry. That's the power of the work of the Holy Spirit, actually. That all this sincere desire will be enabled in them and those who are called and who will be regenerated by it. That is why there is hope for all of us. It's not just about trying more, being the best version of ourselves as what uh, the social media and even the internet world wants us to be. But rather, we hear it from the Word. We hear it with the Spirit. It calls us back beyond ourselves for righteousness and depend on God's spiritual vitality. For He alone supplies all our needs. And God, come, uh, we need to come to God to cure us of our hypocrisy. Which leads us to the second point. Uy, second point na. Ano oras na ba? Medyo mabilis kasi po, I think baka pag hindi ko talaga congregation, ganun talaga. Alright. So the gospel remedy to hypocrisy. Well, we have to understand that spirituality without the Trinity is actually hypocrisy. Meaning, any spirituality void of God is not, it's actually not, it's not even spirituality at all. And only true believers can really truly be spiritual because they are called by the, by the Word and they are enabled by the Spirit. And I know it's hard to, to always tell that truth that people, oh, apaka-offensive naman, only true believers, so ikaw lang, ikaw lang, ganon. So, anyway, you heard it so many times, you get to be prone, ano lang, wala na, okay ka na dun. Uh, you tend to re receive it. But again, speaking that truth, that's the truth. Only true believers can really truly be spiritual. That the cure to hypocrisy is to really live before God for His glory and that's enabled by the Trinitarian work. That the life-transforming message of God, that, that He redeems His people, coming out from the benefit of all the communion that give, God gives with His triune presence. It is the Father and, and the Son and the Spirit. The Father, uh, we, God is our Father and we are adopted as His children. Christ is our brother and now who intercedes for us when we are weak. And the Holy Spirit is now the one who comforts us when we are afflicted and when we are in doubt. We have to remember, and that's part of the, uh, the training of maturity, the discipline that it requires. In, hindi naman ibig sabihin na you, you tend towards hypocrisy, parang I can already dismiss you as someone who's not saved. That would be unfair. I cannot even call that. I mean, it's not what election is all about. But I can always point out that if you tend to always go there, then you're a, you have a problem remembering. And you have a problem not belonging to, reform, uh, to a church, to a community who has the, 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 that kind of influence in you to always remind you and to have that, uh, that prayer and the word of God being preached to you. That's why we need to remember, always, we need to remember that our religious vitality always depends on God. And the only way to live in honor of God is to live before Him in this life and the life to come. Now, it, it, the rubber meets the road. So how can now I honor God in the practice of these spiritual disciplines. I cannot say beyond what is ordinary. 
I, I think the something more is always there in all, all, all other churches. The something more. They want more. Honestly, I cannot give any more. That's not, wala na. That's it. I can only say to you that if you want spiritual vitality, you must first be converted to faith and repentance. Less it's faith, wala. It is not even fleshy possible to be able to get rid of hypocrisy. That's the singular point. You cannot. And if you're doing it that way, brother, you cannot. Please remember that vitality, spiritual, meaning coming from the, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, will never be fleshly generated. It cannot. So, what we need to do is, first, always, and Pastor, wala namang surprise. What I will say is, of course, listen to God's word, the preaching, every Lord's Day. It is the only source of the spiritual, ordinary means of grace. It is what refreshes God's people. It is what gives us spiritual vitality. It is where the Spirit works. There's no mystery to that for most of those who understand, but it remains mysterious to those who are not. Which is why it is only by the work of the Spirit. Lest you enter the kingdom and you do not enter by your will, by the way, you enter because the Spirit enables you to do so. That the Word calls you during the time that you get converted. And that's it. That's the blessed life. And that's what we understand. That, that when, we, when we say, okay, we have to, to, to greed of hypocrisy, what would be the remedy? Listen to the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Live. Understand. And that's it. And understanding what is pleasing to Him. And we obey God and follow His example. And basically, Matthew 6 and 7 are examples, meaning by implication. We simply do. Practice what Scripture commands. I, I wrestled with it the entire... I'm on a sabbatical pala, Pastor. <laughs> so, I'm on a sabbatical uh, for... For a month na, I think, no? I mean, a month. And that's why I'm here, actually. So, I'm in a sabbatical. Uh, meaning, pulpit break lang naman. Hindi naman totally wala ako doon. Okay. So, um, I've been wrestling with this. The question is, I know already that justification can never be understood apart from Scripture. Zero. Nothing. I've searched wide, high and wide. I've been through Paul Tillich to Barth to... Again, I found my home in the Westminster Confession and uh, uh, the three forms of unity. So that's it for me. But I think personally what I need convincing of is can I really accept the fact that only Scripture alone or alone, Scripture alone is enough, sufficient, necessary, and clear for us to live out sanctified lives. That's what I wrestled with. So far, so good. So far, so good. I was... Your, your human instinct says it cannot be just the Word of God. The human instinct. Kasi, I, I, I've been a professional. I've worked a lot. I know na merong merit and reward. Impossible wala eh. If you work hard, of course you have the reward. I mean, if you... You work, you get promoted. When you get promoted, you, you, you're being compensated by it. Same with business. Wala namang nangyayaring business kung hindi ka rin maghihirap doon sa business na yun. Wala namang sinasabi, okay, hindi na ako mag-8 to 5 para magtrabaho, magbi-business na lang ako para mag-24 by 7. Kasi technically, yun na rin ang mangyayari sa'yo. Eh. Kasi ikaw na ang boss, ikaw na empleyado, ikaw pa ang lahat. 
So anyway, ba, yun, medyo yun, di ko matarok ng isip ko yun. Pero for some, I think that that makes sense, right? But even in sanctification, it's hard. It's hard not to think of something more. It's hard not to go away from what Scripture teaches. You're thinking, really? That's it? 66 books? Hearing God's Word? Praying that the Holy Spirit works in the heart of His people? That's it? Yun, mabigat sa akin yun. I think because on all practicality sense, there must be something more. Yun yung tinitignan lagi. But I think the message remains. Scripture solidly understands, teaches us that that's it. That we simply do what the Scripture commands and we pray that God will motivate us, one with gratitude, and to supply us with the strength to persevere. As a pastor, kapag kaganon, parang mo na rin sinabing binaril mo yung sarili mo sa paa kasi parang nisip mo, yun na lang gagawin ko. Parang wala ba akong kailangan mga extra dyan, activities, programs, baka tama rin sila. Baka kailangan namin ng singles group, no? Kailangan namin ng mga mga youth group. Mga ganun. Kasi, nakabahang ka eh. Hindi, nakabah is real. The, recently, the church have been blessed with, with, with some of the numbers that we have experienced for a long time. And, Instinct agad yun ng pastor, parang, ano gagawin namin, ano gagawin namin sa mga to? We've been a church for, with only families, and then there are singles coming in. Isang, baka mabor to mga to eh. Di ba dapat bigyan namin to ng mga masasayang gawain? And that's, that temptation is real there. So that's what I'm saying. And yet, we have to, sur- we have to understand, and to always, hindi naman surrender, but then, submit to it. The will of God will always be that the sanctification of God's people will remain in God's alone. Now, for example, for the practice of almsgiving, the word says, right, that we will always have the poor with us. I think nung iniisip ko to, nung always have the poor with us, akala ko the church purpose back then was to rid of the, ano eh, of poverty eh. Kaya na social, social ano pala yun, ano, gospel. And that the church remained chained to it during the time of the 60s until 80s, partly the communism and the EDSA revolution. So, uh, during that part, I think, uh, very popular to message na to, no? to, to read the church of poverty, to read that the church helps the country to read itself of poverty. But, yeah, so the poor will always be with us, but I think that statement alone gives us an inspired understanding that we will not be able to eradicate poverty. We can help. We will always help. And the church remained as the hub or the embassy of embracing the poor people in the midst of the church. It was Jesus himself who said this in Matthew 26, 11, that almsgiving means giving to the poor, to the needy. It is attending to their physical and temporal needs. As a congregation, we are called to do so to all men, especially those in the household of faith. First in the household of faith and then going out. That's how it's done. So every Lord's Day, we collect or the church collect diba, offering and some of the time we ask our con- congregation to voluntarily to give the support to the needs of the church. And we are called to generously give and cheerfully give as Paul instructs us in 2 Tem- uh, Corinthians 9.7. Now, Back in the pandemic, it's been a struggle for us as a church. I'm not sure if it happened to you, but it was a real struggle for us. We're not meeting uh, every Lord's Day, and it became impossible to give, and it became harder for those who are in the poverty 
uh, line of our members of the church who are in the poverty. So it's hard. Though the problem there is as Christians, even in those who are the middle class and the richer ones, will always tend to initially first think of themselves. Why? Because that is the, that's the human instinct there. We have to protect ourselves. We have to first protect our family, we have to protect our welfare, and that's a problem during times of calamity. And that when we assess our situation and we, we think that, okay, uh, I think we have to uh, just, you know, take care of ourselves, then that's the problem. And that's a real problem during the pandemic, which is why when I was uh, talking to this in the church, I was actually exhorting them to to selflessly give and to, I'm not saying that you should, you know, I mean, this is not communism, of course. I'm not saying that you, you read of yourself 90% of your riches. I mean, that, that would not be what we're, we're saying here. It's simply saying that we should be considerate of the needs of the others. And it doesn't happen we don't, we don't, if we don't know who are the members of the church, which is why membership works. Unless we, we don't know who they are, right? And where they are in life, how can those who have help those who are in need? And that's where the deaconship happens, where, where the eldership in membership happens, the preaching of the ordinary, preaching of the word happens, and that's how the community works as a Christian church. Which is why the church thrived, even in any calamity that it's, it, it was able to experience in every generation, in war, pestilence, um, kung baga, kung titignan nga natin yung mga sarili natin with the pandemic and COVID-19, we still have it good. If I'm going to assess what they have under, uh, experienced back then, I think we still have it good. I'm not saying we're at the best. Ha? I'm just saying we still have it good compared to them. And yet, most still tend to think of themselves and not really think of those who are in need in the household of faith. That is, I think, what, how it applies in every church. I'm not sure how it applies to you yet, but I think that's important for us to understand the value of membership, the value of helping those in the household of faith, and helping and knowing, really, those who are really in need. Next, and that's almsgiving. The second one would be, I didn't because I didn't Okay. Oh, wait. Now we go to prayer. So what is the gospel remedy to praying? I think at some point, everyone who is not admitting that praying is hard is not being real. So I think, I'm not sure. I mean, you can correct me afterwards. But I have understood already for myself and for everyone else that praying will not occur automatically. It doesn't. It doesn't. Lest you face that kind of uh, understanding, you will never be able to have a, a proper way to address the problem there. Which is why I always tend to, um, the gospel remedy for the church, for praying, is I always give this advice. If it's hard for us to really truly pray, then pray until you pray. I'm not saying na yung equivalent no na parang try, try hard then until you succeed. No, no, no. That is right. No, may try and try hard until you succeed. Uh, yeah, I understand that. But what I'm saying is, prayer in of itself is a result of God's grace. Which is why when we approach the throne of God by His Son, 
through His atoning work and the Holy Spirit at work, when we ask that power to pray and to enable us to pray, it is already the prayer. Medyo may pagkano siya conceptually, but that's how, how it works. That's why you pray until you pray. Doing nothing will not help you pray. That's why you need to do. When you learn, you teach, di ba? May teaching, you learn. Then you do. And pastor sabi, eh, we do. I've been doing it several times. Yeah, I understand. But that is the gospel remedy. We do. We follow. We obey God's word. Then until such time na we'll be able to pray until we pray, I think first, we need to pray for the desire to do it. The desire to do it. Actually, when I was a young Christian, I do pray. Of course, I grew up in a Christian household. I'm, of course, my children know how to pray. No? You know? Okay. <laughs> clear, clear. <laughs> All right. I think you know. You know. Every meal, diba? every family worship. Okay. But until such time, I think a point of con- conversion and proper understanding of God's word, you haven't truly have the desire to do it for yourself unless you do understand that you do need it. Now, I, I, again, that's not magical, eh, no? I just simply say, no, just think that you need it. Eh? But that's how it really works. Less you do understand that you do need to pray, then that's the only time the desire you know came. Because praying is about need. Praying for our temporal and our spiritual need. And then, that is why spiritual need inventory has to happen. Kasi self-sufficiency, self-sufficiency is the problem actually. Especially if you've been a Christian for a whole your life. I've been a Christian all my life eh. Uh, what? Ano nga ba? Sorry, mga 30. Mga 30 na. I was, I, I was born in a Christian home. I was a covenant child. I was baptized as an infant. I grew up in the church. I, my conversion late happened, but uh, it happened. So, uh, so when I was, I was making a, a spiritual inventory of my need, I I realized that I'm very self-sufficient, <laughs> even in my own personal temporal needs. So when I recognize my spiritual need, that I cannot truly make myself sanctified, I cannot truly make myself more godly, then I. I've understood, okay, I have to understand that I have to daily ask for God, depend on Him for every spiritual need. And then from spiritual need, pupunta yun sa temporal need. Actually, na-relate ko na lang yung temporal need nung nando na, na naintindihan ko yung spiritual need. Nung naintindihan ko yung spiritual need, I, te- I thought na, oh nga, no, pray, hindi ako nag, nagpe-pray ako, pero I never really recognize that everything that I receive comes from God and they are my needs. So having a spirit, uh, having a prayer list is actually what extends to that. Uh, D.A. Carson, when I was reading his spiritual reformation book, uh, pastor na ako nun, ah, mind you. <laughs> so <laughs> I was reading that and that yun yung mga light bulb moment. Eh. Of course, I respect D.A. Carson. Actually, he was the first, first few authors that I followed and read that led me to my conversion. So, understanding what really faith is all about and repentance is all about. So, when I, when I found this book and then I was able to read that, read that portion about having a personal prayer list, 
which uh, in a church kasi you have your of course you have your prayer list as a church and it it, it enumerates the the needs of the entire church but it's not yet personal for you eh i think no as a pastor it would be personal for you because you're the one serving but personally you should have your own prayer list and prayer list happens when you're not anymore thinking just about your needs kasi pag nakita mo doon puro needs mo lang ay selfish kasi parang nisim, oh nga, puro ako lang pala ito that's why Prayer is always happening in the church because the needs are endless. It will never disappear in this life. Yes, in the life to come, the needs will always be met efficiently, gloriously. But here, our needs, God has appointed prayer as the means for receiving the end. And the end will always be the need, but the means will always be prayer. So, that's the elected, uh, that's the ordained way to receive our needs. Now, jumping off to, I think tapos tayo doon, tapos tayo dyan. Alright. Ah, okay, lastly lang for the prayer. Then lastly, realistically speaking, no, one's, no one prayers on a regular basis. De pastor, nagkamali ka dyan, I pray regularly. <laughs> Yung mga mata kasi, parang, I don't think so. Really? Okay, baka ako lang. <laughs> baka ako lang. Okay. And I think that's a problem. I think D.A. Carson addressed that. And the, the most practical advice would be, pick a realistic, regular interval that you think you can do. Magsimula ka muna doon. Let's not say, ah, Pastor Abbott kasi, praise Monday, Tuesday, <laughs> Wednesday, and and Friday, I don't know if you skip that some days, but, uh, but he, he prays regularly. Eh? I think I should pray regularly. I'm not saying that you should pray that regularly if you can't do it. But pray regularly. Regularity depends on the timing. Ang point lang nun, if you said that you will pray on a Monday morning, you do so. You set the, the, the family worship at, at, um, at a weekly uh, date in every time, you do so. If you say that every Lord's Day you'll be here, please do so. <laughs> because that is the regularity that has been set for us by Scripture and it's inspired. So in, in that point, until you pray, until you pray, until you pray, uh, pray, until you pray, and then you actually have a list to, to, to be able to understand all your needs and the needs of others. And then lastly, just set a time, please. Just set a regular time and just simply do it. That's the only way it can be done and there's no more else that we can say about that matter. Now, a short word about past fasting. Medyo inano ko na lang to, eh. Parang nabay the way ko na lang to. Kasi um, I know it's controversial but in the Reformed Church naman, hindi naman siya ganong ka-big issue. But when John Calvin listed this in his uh, institutes, he wrote about fasting. Number one, that we use it to either mortify, meaning for the purpose of negatively killing sin, Okay, that's negative. Subduing the flesh that it may not be in lack or wanton. Next, to prepare us for better praying and holy meditation. Again, like I said kanina, a while ago, I think that's 
again, repeating the fact lang sinabi ko, it's really about preparing us to pray mainly so that we can recognize our temporal need for food and prompt us to understand how dependent are we both in our spiritual and temporal needs and that prepares us for prayer. Because if there is really no desire of understanding the need, why are you praying? For who? For who are you praying for? For yourself, for others to see, right? So it's not what Jesus is asking us when we do prayer or even do fasting. Fasting will always be preparatory. I think the debate will always be, should we impose this to every, uh, uh, every member? Should we impose this as a regular something more in the church? I would say not. If it is not something that is ordinarily upon the, the, the list of God's uh, God's. Uh, ordinary means of grace, I don't think we should add anything to it. It can help. If you want, then do so. And let us not burden each other from, you know, asking each other, oh, kailan ka ba nag-fast? Uy, mukhang di ka nag-fast, <laughs> Okay, and then lastly, it actually gives us an, ev it actually gives an evidence of, uh, of us humbling ourselves before God that we should be able to confess, confess our guilt before Him. So personally applied we are called to engage in fasting to remind ourselves that we are depending on God alone and not simply by the provision He so faithfully provides. Fasting is a valid Christian practice. It allows us to prepare ourselves better when praying. It also aids us in our petition for God as we hunger and thirst after His righteousness. And it prepares our hearts to demonstrate our full dependence on God. So that with that, let me encourage everyone again, let us give, let us pray, and let us fast before God and do it for His glory. So Cornerstone, Makati, and Heroes Church, God calls us to demonstrate saving faith. Good works can never be done without saving faith. It's only for believers. So let us demonstrate saving faith by our good deeds, and it is done for his glory. Let us follow God's word, obey it as our expression of our love and gratitude for him. Let us not as a way to merit any reward, do it and, you know, brag about it, but rather to show that God's grace is at work in our lives. When Jesus speaks about rewarding his people, he refers to eternal rewards in heaven. That Jesus talks about receiving them by grace and not by any work-based merit. So let us long to receive the eternal rewards from heaven, for in them our reward is God himself. Let us commune with him as our shield and great reward. Amen.